Hi, and welcome to episode number 131 of the weekly Google Cloud Platform podcast. I'm Mark Mandel, and I'm here with my colleague, as always, Melanie Warwick. How are you doing, Melanie? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you? I'm all right, but we're not physically in the same place, which makes me sad. Not today, but we are both still in San Francisco. That is true. That is true. So we have some cool stuff happening today. We do. So who are we speaking with? Yeah, we're speaking with fellow Googler, Mandy Chan. Super excited. Wanted to have them on the podcast for ages. She is a fellow Googler who works on the Actions on Google team. So lots of sounds and voice stuff today. It should be really good. It's very applicable for a podcast. Well, before we get into our interview, as always, we have our cool things of the week, and we also have our question of the week. And this week's question is, I want to push a Docker image to Google Container Registry via Docker Push. So how can I set things up so that I don't have to use gcloud docker dash dash push every time? And that will be a question you'll find out at the end. But as always, we're going to start out with our cool things of the week. And this week, we want to kick it off by mentioning that Google just published AI Ethics. And specifically, it's got a blog out about AI at Google and our principles. And so these principles in particular, you can read them at the link that we'll include in our show notes as always. But I'm just going to highlight the seven key ones. And they are be socially beneficial avoid creating or reinforcing unfair bias, be built and tested for safety, be accountable to people, incorporate privacy design principles, uphold high standards of scientific excellence, and be made available for uses that accord with these principles. And one little note is that that second one, avoid creating or reinforcing unfair bias, that was actually specifically developed by a team that Margaret Mitchell was working with. And Margaret Mitchell, of course, is somebody we interviewed back in February in regards to machine learning bias and fairness. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's worth noting as well, there is a a follow-on article from Diane Green, uh, CEO of Google, put also in the show notes, uh, talking about specifically how Google's AI principles will be affecting Google Cloud and how we'll be using those in Google Cloud. Great. Mark, you got anything else? Yeah, I want to talk about a great article that has come out of the Etsy engineering team. Um, I'm probably going to massacre this name. It, uh, it says it's posted by Taria. I'm going to say with Taria Gibbs. They have an article that talks about basically how they have their deployment continuous integration system deploying to a Google Kubernetes engine uh, instance, as well as their on-prem Kubernetes instance. Uh, so they basically take you all the way through setting up the Jenkins infrastructure and the whole deployment pipeline, the build pipeline. Uh, So it's definitely worth reading. It's a really cool article. Agreed. Also, call out to the Etsy crew. If you ever want to come on the podcast, give us a holler. Yes, it would be nice to actually get Etsy on and talk through this too. Well, another cool thing of the week, and this is actually referenced in the AI ethics list. There's a couple students who are here in California who decided to build out a machine learning tool so they can help predict wildfires. Last year, not even just the summer, in California alone, we had, what was it, 9,000 fires burning approximately it was pretty bad 2200 square miles of forest yeah it was really bad so they basically designed a device using tensorflow machine learning to visually assess where there might be potential fire hazards and specifically brush that may be so dry that it would lead to the start of a fire. So they've implemented these devices in the forest and have shown about 89% accuracy rate. And we'll include the link in the show notes. Really cool. And they, they have a nice video on this as well. 
another cool thing of the week that we wanted to mention, and it's not as much of a cool thing, but it's an important thing. Uh, Google.org right now is actually matching donations. They are collecting money and distributing it to charities that are helping with Puerto Rico's continued recovery. This, of course, being the continued recovery from September 2017's hurricane that hit Puerto Rico and has severely impacted the island. So if you are still looking to have a further impact in terms of helping the recovery efforts, if you donate money before the 20th, Google is matching up to $2 million of the donation. And 100% of what you donate is actually going to the different charities that Google is, is distributing these funds to for the recovery efforts. Uh, the only fees that potentially could happen is if you're out of the country and there's some kind of fee for conversion of currency. But outside of that, everything's going to recovery efforts. So if you wanted to donate, if you still want to donate, please check it out. We'll include the link in the show notes. Nice. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Excellent. Got announced very recently. Actually, I'm really excited about this. So we're introducing sole tenant nodes for Google Compute Engine. So basically, this is this is kind of cool because generally when you're using Compute Engine, we're essentially multi-tenant. So there's a lovely visualization that sits on the blog post that we'll link to about how basically, you know, you could have multiple VMs on a single physical machine and we manage all that for you with live migrations and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes though, that's not a ideal scenario for whatever it is you're building. Maybe there's certain compliance and regulation that uh, you're required to comply with. That means that you have to be on a physical machine that's only and solely operated by you or solely tenanted by you. And that might be a thing. Or maybe you run a workload that is super fine grained. So any kind of uh, noisy neighbor type situation, like at a very, very low level could be potentially a problem for you. I'm thinking particularly in the gaming space, if you run uh, dedicated game servers, I'm looking at all of you folks. So yeah, but we're excited to announce the beta availability of sole tenant nodes. Uh, so basically, you're the only one on the hardware. Yes, they include in the notes and how easy it is to start it up as well as a link to pricing. Yeah, so that's all available and ready for you to play with now. All right, Mark, I think it's time for us to go talk with Mandy. So uh, super excited uh, to have someone in the studio that I met a long time ago, actually. Mandy Chan, who is the Development Community Manager for Actions on Google. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm super excited to have you here. I know you've got a long and varied history with, with voice and working with this platform. But before we get stuck into that, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? What do you do here at Google? Like, what's your background? Sure. So I like to say that I'm voiceaholic. Um, I love <laughs> this space. Um, so when this things first came out, I would open a bank account just to try the voice application from a bank. <laughs> I would get a Domino pizza to order pizza, also get a Fitbit to just try the voice applications. So that's how obsessed I am with this space. You're very passionate about this space. <laughs> yeah, and I built many voice applications, and during the process of building those voice applications, I got frustrated with SSML. And if you don't know what SSML is, SSML is a speech synthesis markup language. Uh, I create an open source project called SSML Builder to help the voice developers to make building SSML easier. So that's who I am. And now that I'm at Google, I am the developer community manager for the Action on Google team. And my role is to engage with the developers by creating practical tools and content. Basically, improving the developer experience is like my goal. Recently, I worked with my team to build two collabs, level one and level two. So feel free to try that and give us feedback. 
So for those who've never worked with SSML, what exactly is speech synthesis? Ah, can't say the word, but I'm close. Anyway, speech synthesis. Ah. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, markup <laughs> language. What exactly does that mean? What does SSML actually mean specifically for somebody who's never used it before? A metaphor that I like to give to people who are technical or people who might not be technical is basically for people who are technical is a markup XML, like extensible markup language. And if you are web developers and you know HTML, HTML is the markup language for the browser. You mark up the test. And for SSML, it is the markup language uh, to give style to the voice. And I like to say that the synthesizer is like the browser for the HTML. That's great. That's, a, that's very helpful. Um, and so what kind of things can you do with SSML? You can do a lot of things with SSML. So when we speak, sometimes we pause. So if you want the smart assistant to take a break and pause, you know, sometimes pause can mean hesitations, suspensions. So you can put a break tag to pause. And you can also, for number like 625, it can be June 25th as a date, or it can be like fraction. Like there's many different ways to express number. So, and also one of my favorite SSML tag is called prosody. And you can change your voice by manipulating, adjusting the pitch, the volume, and the speed. So I know that in this space, we emphasize on like giving a persona for your voice application. And this is how SSML can help you create a persona. I think you have a demo, don't you? Yes, I do. I do. So let me show you guys how we can create a persona by adjusting the prosody tag. And this is uh, action on Google, right? Yes. I'm actually just playing the SSML tag in our Action on Google console simulator. So this Action on Google is the platform that we provide for the third-party developers to build action for the Google Assistant. And what is action? Action is, I like to use another metaphor, like it's the verb that help people get things done. Turn on the light, you turn on the TV, all of these are verbs. And action make our life more productive and just make your everyday life easier. And let me now demo SSML in the Action on Google Simulator. How powerful that is. Hello. With SSML, you can make speech fast or make it slow. You can make it high or you can make it low. You can make it loud or you can make it quiet or all three things at once. But first, you can make me spell colors like blue, B-L-U-E. Edit this to try yourself. So this is just a very basic demo of how SSML can give your voice application a personality. And if we add some audio tag, like for action on Google platform, we have a sound library that have all kind of fun sounds, like animal sounds or like windows cracking sounds, like different sounds that you can add to your voice applications. And for movie, if you don't have background music, it won't be the same. And same thing for the voice application. You want to add the atmosphere, the mood, and give the act some personality. So you can do this, with you said, with actions on Google. And this can be used for any voice application, so like anything. It's, it could be used with Assistant. It could be used with any Other platforms, too. Platform. Yes. So what sort of things are you seeing people do with these voice actions? 
many developers they have built actions for games. Uh, that's a pretty popular uh, categories, and they also build for the home automations. I'm still looking forward to what's possible that other developers can build. But right now, uh, games and smart home are the big two categories. And one of the game that I can also demo and show you is called Mix Lab. And let me demo this fun action. So this action basically allows you to mix different musical instruments together just using your voice command. So give me a dreamy guitar. and I can add layer to it. Cool. So this is just one of the many ways that the creativity and the imagination is like unlimited. It's all up to developers, and I'm really looking forward to what the crazy, amazing stuff that the developers can build with our platform. What's something you've built with it? Good questions. <laughs> so the first voice application I built is called Doctor Speech, and I'm a strong believer to build applications that help people. And Dr. Speech is an act, uh, a voice application that helps people who speak English as a second language to improve their pronunciation. Because I was born and raised in Hong Kong, and English is my second language. And growing up, I have this electronic dictionary to learn how to speak English. And when I discover a smart assistant, it's like an entire new world to me. I have the environment here every day, I'm forced to speak English. <laughs> but people overseas, they don't have the environment. Right. So think about how much we can do for people overseas if we have more educational actions. They can use it to help the children or help people who have autism, like different ways that people can use smart assistant, uh, smart assistant to to learn different things. I, I like that point just because, I, I mean, I remember when I was trying to learn another language and when you don't have someone to engage with who also, you, and even if you did, if they make you feel small when you're trying to engage with them, it mm -hmm. makes you less interested in continuing to pursue that language. Like you need, and that's why they keep saying children can lose, learn more easily another language is just because people are more patient typically technology or, or a computer is going to be it's not it doesn't have emotions in the game that's that's so great that that's what you worked on yes I I, I still want to see more uh, actions that focus on this area yeah Google focus on the system get things done helping people make their life more productive I believe that education is the untapped area for this space that's amazing um so if from a developer perspective, if somebody's like, oh, this sounds really cool and I want to build an action, like what tools, what, what stuff have we got available for them to do that? So we have uh, action on Google platform. That's the place that you should go first. And also, as I mentioned earlier, our team recently just published two collabs. Level one and level two is absolutely beginner level. And you can quickly start building action on Google from scratch. And Dialogflow is another platform that help people who might not even know how to code that you can build an action quickly. So let me explain how Dialogflow and Action on Google work together. Sounds great. So Dialogflow provides an intuitive graphical user interface to create conversational experience. You program in few example sentences of things that a user might speak. And then you can also specify what values you need to get from the user. 
It then used machine learning to understand the sentences and manage the conversation. The key part here is that you no longer need to process the raw strings. Dialogflow handle that for you. Basically, all the heavy lifting, Dialogflow does it all for you. So that's how action on Google and Dialogflow works together. And other than that, our team also creates some amazing templates for people to build action on Google without coding experience. In fact, at I.O., when I gave demo at the Sandbox, I met a couple of teachers. They stopped by the booth and they were so excited that I can create tools for my students to learn interactively by using action on Google and Dialogflow. Nice. If I so if I say say I'm I'm a programmer and I want to create an action, say I, I assume I'm I'm going to code something to to make that happen, and then how do I make that code do a thing? Like I don't know, turn on my lights or open my garage or something. So for devices, we have this Google Assistant SDK, but for voice application that we can use uh, with the Google Google Home, the speaker alone, as well as the phone, we have this action on Google client library. So I recommend developers go to our documentations page to learn all these new terminologies and concepts and how to create your own fulfillment. The fulfillment basically is the business logic that your actions can do, can get things done. There's some connections, I think, to Firebase functions or something like that? Yes, yes. So uh, great questions. So our team highly recommend developers to, fi uh, to use Firebase. Basically, you just run the command line Firebase init, and then you can use the function, the Firestore, the database, and hosting. Everything in one place, you can create your action very quickly. Okay, and there's integration there between actions and, and that. And Firebase, yeah. yes. Lovely. Where do you see SSML going? SSML is a standard, and it means that there's multiple communities or companies, they have to agree on this standard. And I think the direction right now is really going to where the synthesized voice will become as good as professional actors. Like at Google I.O., we announced that there are six voices coming up for Google Assistant. And Google, we have WaveNet that can create almost human-like voices. So this is where I see that maybe soon we will replace the actor and actress and the computer can just speak like us. And another thing I really like to think of is emotion. I mentioned earlier, this is a new way we can create software. And this is also the time that we can give software personality by using SSML. And this is where, where I see that the direction is going that way. And so having the emotion to make it seem more authentic and more real and closer to human-like in a way. Yep. Oh, and one more thing I want to highlight is, so I mentioned SSML is standard. And at Google, we really think outside of the box that standards are just common text that different platform can use, such as break, say as, but we think outside of the box to create some customized SSML, such as media and power tag. This is unique to action on Google platform, and nobody else has that. And the media tag allow you to compose sounds parallelly or sequentially. Oh, cool. I think I gave a presentation back in December 2017 in New York that I'm not a musician myself, I would love to be. So, but SSML and this whole voice application space allow me to think like I'm a composer, I'm a sound designer. 
that I can make something really fun, and people are using them. Sound designer with voice, sound designer with music, with different types of various sounds that you have in the background, type of thing. Yes, yes. So. I know one of the pushbacks from uh, IO was that there was concerns about people having assistant call up and talk to them and and whether they'd be able to recognize that it's a person or not. And there was I, I saw some feedback that was saying, you know, we'll make sure it identifies itself as a computer. Do you have an opinion on on this realistic voice being used from the computer? Like any new technologies, it takes time for people to get used to it. I think personally, I'm very like open-minded and creative, so I I understand why people are concerned, the ethical about you know, turning a robot into a human. For me, I'm a big fan for sci-fi. Like I watched the movie Her, and I I'm Star Trek is my favorite TV show. Me too. So. I'm not against that, but I can also understand why people have those concern, and this is really a big moment. Cause in the past, I like to use this example, like the TV. We have to like, yeah, back when you were young, and、uh, you have to like go up to the TV and how, turn. How old do you、TV. think I am? I I am really bad at telling. <laughs> I was gonna、I'm、say really... if you're talking about the days when we didn't have remotes, yeah, I was. I, I remember those days. So no, yeah, those days without the remote, you have、yeah. to go up to the TV and turn on the knob, and then we have remotes, you know. And that was a luxury.、Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and now we don't even need to have any physical button and remote. We can use our voice. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really a big big time for us. Agreed. Agreed. So, so when am I going to be able to walk into my house and be like, turn on lights and everything will work? And I'll be like, start dinner. You can, you can do it now with the lights part, the dinner <laughs> part. I'm not quite sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> we're, not, we're not there yet. But you might be able to talk to your assistant like they're your buddy. Yeah. I think some. I think there's some examples of that out there actually. You can talk back to me. Yeah. So you mentioned this actually a little bit before, where you were talking about Google Assistant, and then also the fact that you could do voice actions on the phone. Do you see any difference between those two, at least even how they're used, or like like that just that whole environment? Yes. So building application for like action on Google Home specifically, there's no screen, and when we build voice applications, we really have to think about the dialogue, the conversation. It's like you are a script writer. But when you build for mobile apps or web developments, you don't need to think about all this storytelling kind of how you interact with another assistant, smart assistant. And another thing is、uh, SSML, of course. And basically, like the UX and UI, I like to think that the flow, the conversation flow, is like the user interface. But SSML is like the user experience, because who are you talking to? The personality that you're creating for your voice applications, and one additional point about、uh, building voice application. Why is that so different? Everything is like top level. At any point of the dialogue you have with the assistant, you don't need to click the mobile or the browser, the next page, or going back to previous page. You can ask anything, say anything at any point of the time. So that's great. We talked a little bit already about resources and and where people can learn more. But do you have any other favorite resources or recommendations, especially of people who are interested in working with SSML? Definitely play around with the action on Google Console,、um, the simulator, and use my library, of course. Of course. <laughs>
we'll, put yeah. it, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> but of course. Are you going to be speaking anywhere soon? Doing any demos soon somewhere else outside of I.O.? I was a speaker at Grace Harper last year talking about my open source. And this year, I am continuing the partnership with Sisters. So Sisters is a branch under Anita Board. And Anita Board and Sister are the organization who create the once a year, the largest woman engineer conference, Grace Hopper. So on June 21st and July 31st, I am partnering with the sister community to do two online workshops to teach more women how to build action on Google. So we will share the link on the website again. Yep. And all this resource about how to build your first action on Google, everything will be shared on the website, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, oh, I thought of just one, one thing I wanted to ask you too. We've seen really cool examples. I'm just thinking around like I.O. and stuff where uh, people do voice actions where there's context. So like a follow-up question I might be like, so tell me more about this particular sports game. And then I'll say something like, who was the top player? And it knows that the context is the original, like this that sports game. You like it, how I use sports game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything inside like Actions in Google or, or, or that, that ecosystem that handles that kind of thing that makes that sort of bit easier maybe? Yes. That's a game where Dialogflow shine. <laughs> so they have uh, a lot of interesting and powerful uh, concepts when it comes to building a uh, conversational experience. And in fact, the concept is called context. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're right that when we use a voice application, it would be nice that they don't have to keep asking you what are the artists that you just play the music. If you listen to one song and you want to say more, the assistant know that you already chose John Legend. And when you say play more, it will just play more of John Legend's music. And that concept is called context. And another interesting concept is called lifespan that Dialogflow provides. And I like to describe lifespan like, our, like us. We have short-term memory. In a conversation, there's multiple turns. Back and forth for like five Lifespan means five turns. If we keep talking about some random things, then we the lifespan will expire, like our short-term memory. We can't keep talking about something random and just lose focus. So this concept is really powerful in voice applications to give assistant short-term memory. That's I like super cool. that. There's so many layers to just voice conversations that I've never even thought about. Like you're talking about tone and intonation and that, that stuff and, and basically having how the UI can affect how your, your conversation happens. That's super fascinating. Communication is complex and thus it's also, this is why this problem is not an easy one to solve, but, but we've made a lot of progress. We definitely make lots of progress. And with the developers, I think that's why we open up the platforms and we really want developers play around with our platform and innovate together with Google. Yeah, Help like progress the, it. Like the open source concept, right? Uh, more people contribute, the better the technology becomes. Same thing for voice space. What uh, languages do we work with right now in terms of action on Google? We have many, many languages. I can't even recall. I think we have 16 languages. And by no. language, do you mean programming language or do you mean like voice language? Just to be clear. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so programming language, in terms of programming language, right now our client library is written in Node.js. Yep. But in terms of like 
common knowledge that the Google Assistant is available. I need to go back and look at how many countries, but I think it's available. Uh, there's 16 languages that That's right great. now. We'll, we'll have a link to double check okay. that. <laughs> okay. That's okay. <laughs> we don't have to know it right this minute, but yeah, but that's great. That's good to know. Well, cool. Before we wrap up, um, we are running out of time. Just a smidge. This has been great. Is there anything else you want to make sure gets mentioned or you plug or? Wait, wait. I think I need to show this. This is really maximizing the use of SSML and all this sound library. Two brothers in a van. And then a meteor hit. And ran as fast <laughs> as they could. From giant cat monsters. And then a giant tornado came. And that's when things got knocked into 12th gear. So this is how you can use SSML to create a story. Like, it's great for building actions for kids, for games, for party game, like anything like that. SSML is powerful, and the demo that I just showed you is really maximizing the usage of SSML. And our team actually uh, uh, wrote a blog post. It's called "Advanced SSML for Action on Google or Medium." So feel free to look that up. Definitely go to Action on Google documentation page. And also, we recently have a new conversation design page. So I think I mentioned earlier that this space is different, that you need to write before you even code, that you need to write the dialogue before you code. So it's good practice that if you have a conversation designer, great. If you don't, but you can still go to our Conversation Design website to learn about the best practice. Many things can go wrong in our voice applications, and in, in voice, there's no errors. So go to the website and learn about how you can create the best possible experience for your users. That's great. Well, thank you. We really appreciate you coming on, Mandy, and telling us all about Actions on Google. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. I have fun. I have fun demoing the the applications, and this is really the space I enjoy so much. I don't consider myself I'm working. I'm considering myself having fun right now and share my passions and inspire more developers to build on action on Google. That's wonderful. So, and join me on June 21st. If you ever want to learn how to build action on Google, it's online virtual workshop. You can sit at home and learn how to build action. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you again, Mandy. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast and telling us all about actions on Google and getting to play around with sounds. I like playing around with sounds. Yeah, sounds great. They are. So does our editors. Our editors like sounds as well. <laughs> well, okay, Mark, I want to push a Docker image to Google Container Registry via Docker Push. So how can I do that so I don't have to use gcloud docker dash dash push every time? Well, that's an excellent question, Mandy. Uh, Mandy. <laughs> That's right. I'm Mandy. You're Mandy. Well, that's an excellent question, Melanie. I'm so glad that you asked the question that I, I asked you to ask. Um, it's very convenient how we work that out. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about this for a couple of reasons. One of which is sometimes it's just easier or more ideal to simply say like, hey, Docker push rather than using the gcloud command to do some stuff, maybe CI pipelines, that kind of stuff. But the other side of this is actually also some things around deprecation as well. 
we'll start at the top level. So if you want to simply be able to say Docker push or Docker pull from a container registry using your gcloud authentication, there's a command you can run called gcloud auth configure Docker. And what that'll do is that'll set up some handlers, uh, some credential helpers within your Docker credentials and set things up basically. So it's essentially a seamless process. This is the preferred way. We strongly recommend that you use this method whenever possible. Uh, it provides secure short-lived access to your project resources. If I read the documentation. And so basically that is the way. So if you ever find that you're having issues with say gcloud docker for any reason use this instead it's definitely much better but it's worth noting then for this very reason that gcloud docker is currently only recommended for docker client versions older than 1.13 which don't support the use of credential helpers or anything like that so it's worth noting that i've seen people try and use gcloud docker with newer versions of docker and sometimes it didn't work and people got confused and that kind of stuff so if you're on a new version of docker use the credential helpers gcloud auth configure docker and that'll make your lives all that easier it's worth noting if you really 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 don't want to use that for some weird reason or you want to set up individual short-lived tokens just for a very short period you can do that as well there's um, we'll link to it in the documentation there's an advanced authentication thing you can you can still do that yourself if you need to but generally speaking use gcloud auth configure docker and you are good to go great all right mark going anywhere speaking anywhere anytime soon yes. <laughs> so yes i am speaking so i'll be speaking at the kubernetes san francisco meetup on the 14th of june giving a little demo of agones and talking about that i'll also be talking at the kubernetes community meeting on the 21st that's an online meeting i'll put some details for that also in the show notes so i'll also be talking about agones as well what are you up to i am speaking at a joint uh, women in machine learning and data science and pi ladies event that's titled paths to data science on june 26 and i will also be speaking at ai for all on june 28th nice yeah awesome looking forward to it mark i think that's it for us for this week I that was fun it i it mean was that good. was really fun with mandy i'm glad we got a chance to finally do that because i know you've been wanting to do that for a while yeah yeah i agree there were some really great little sound bites and fun sound things that happened sound in there. bits and bites and all the things exactly. yeah we got some fun stuff out of that so awesome Thanks, Melanie, for joining me for yet another week on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you all next week. And a synthesizer. And I can add more layer. And a relaxing guitar. And a drum machine. Play it underwater. Yeah, there's all kind of fun songs. You can add many, many layers. That's why I feel like I'm a musician or a composer just by playing with voice applications.